0: But Gabe had been his husband, and Tom Crane, his FBI partner for fifteen years. If you're not ready, you don't have to come back yet, Mel said, or at all for that matter. Between your trust fund and the inheritance from Gabe, you're set. Aiden tossed back the rest of his whiskey, letting the burn slide down his throat and fill his hollow chest with fleeting warmth. As much as he'd enjoyed spending extra time with his niece and goddaughter Katie, he'd finished his physical therapy, passed his psych evals, and was eager for the distraction of work. At 42, he still had plenty of agent years left in him. "'What have you got for me, Sir Cruz?' he asked, making his stance on work clear. Mel emptied her drink and turned the glass over on the table." You're off undercover work and long-term assignments. I want to keep an eye on you a while longer. No argument here. Gabe, an investment banker who'd worked all hours, hadn't minded his interminable absences. Now, though, with his family still tender after losing Gabe and almost losing him... Aiden didn't intend to disappear for weeks on end in the barrios, chasing drug dealers or in grimy mob bars working over informants. Good. She tapped her manicured trigger finger against her glass, a tell that meant she was holding something back. What else? I don't think it was an accident. The same words he'd ranted for a month after waking from his two-week coma only his allegations had been born out of shock and denial. He couldn't cope after learning his husband and partner were dead. Eight months removed from that terrible night, he'd progressed past pain and guilt-induced conspiracy theories, past angry finger-pointing at incompetent local detectives to accept they'd been in the wrong place at the wrong time, that he hadn't swerved fast enough out of the way of an oncoming SUV. The entire time, Mel hadn't spoken a word to him about the accident, and now she was saying his grief-crazed notions had been right. "'What the hell?' he slammed back from the table, toppling his chair and surging to his feet. He kicked the chair out of the way and paced the narrow strip of hardwood floor between the table and wine racks. "'Why are you telling me this now, and not eight months ago? I drove myself crazy for weeks,' thinking I'd missed some clue or that I should be out there catching the assholes responsible for their deaths. And fuck if I wasn't right. She let him burn out his anger, raging and pacing. Once he'd gathered himself, righted his chair, and sat back down, she rose and went to her bag on the couch. Returning with a small black flash drive and a red-stripe restricted personnel file, she pushed the former across the table to him first. This arrived for me on the day of my promotion. He picked it up and turned it over in his hand. It was a generic model, something anyone could buy at any office supply store. What's on it? I don't know. You don't know? The files are encrypted. It was delivered to my home, no return address. I tried opening it on my personal computer, but I can't get past the file directory. You didn't have our guys try to crack it? Given the circumstances of its delivery and the attention I received with the promotion, I didn't want to risk it. Because you think this—he held up the flash drive—has something to do with the accident? Every file on it is dated the day of the crash. He dropped the jump drive as if he'd been burned. It bounced end over end to the center of the table. So that's my next assignment. Uncover the truth behind the accident. No, that's not your assignment. He furrowed his brow. I don't follow. This investigation, she tapped the flash drive with her nail, is off the books for now. Someone above me shut it down as soon as SFPD ruled it a hit and run. Until we know for certain it wasn't, and who and why the investigation was shuttered, we fly under the radar. He nodded toward the personal file. Is that someone you suspect is involved? No, she nudged the folder toward him. This is your new assignment.